The text for this morning's worship service is from 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 13. Let's read that once again. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught us by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. We will sing after the sermon from Psalm 51, stances 3 and 4. Love congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, have you ever watched one of those TV evangelists? Some of them can make fantastic claims. And they will tell you stories about the visions that they have from God. And sometimes they'll center somebody out from the audience. And they will tell that person all about him or herself. As if God directly communicates with him what, in li what lives inside of that person and what goes on in that person's life. They're almost like fortune tellers. Some of our people also fall for these kinds of goings on because it is all couched in very pious language. And so they give them credence. Now, a lot of good is done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also a lot of evil is done, especially on the mission field in African countries and in Latin American countries, such as Brazil, for a lot of that kind of thing happens, especially there. They sweep the people along with their emotional appeal to God's spirit, who supposedly, supposedly reveals all kinds of things directly to them. And so we have to be able to discern, how do you understand the spirit of God? How do you distinguish between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God? We dealt with this last week in a different context, but so much more can be said. How does the Holy Spirit work? What does he reveal? That's what I will preach to you about this morning, and I've summarized this text as follows. Only the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to understand spiritual things. We will see in the first place that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, in the second place that the Holy Spirit searches us, and in the third place that the Holy Spirit teaches us. Paul was very concerned about the church at Corinth after he left. For even though he had established a congregation there, he knew that Satan would try to reclaim these people. And that is what Satan does. And that is why Paul also warned the various churches to which he ministered, as he did, for example, to the church at Ephesus. He said to the Ephesian elders just before he departed, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, 
men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. That's what he said to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, verse 28. He wants the churches, and therefore he wants us to be on guard. Satan always tries to lead you away from the truth, also today. He especially likes to use leaders in the church who claim themselves to be Christian believers, but who in reality are savage wolves. That is what happened in the church at Corinth. Itinerant philosophers and teachers came among them with their own worldly wisdom and eloquence, and some people fell for these men. He tells them not to listen to their brand of wisdom, but to listen to the wisdom of God. Oh, sure, as he says, it is a hidden wisdom, a secret wisdom, but it is only hidden to the world and not to those who have God's spirit. God reveals it to them. And God gives you his spirit in order to obtain it. That's also what he promised. He promised that already at the time of your baptism. Success in the form for the baptism of infants, when we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ. He will dwell in us. In other words, we will be temples of the Holy Spirit. But what does that mean? How do you know when you have the Spirit? How does anyone recognize the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, from God? Well, listen to what it says in verse 12. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so there are two spirits, the Spirit of the world and the Spirit of God. What is the difference between the two? Well, the spirit of the world refers to the natural intelligence of man. It deals with life in the flesh. And that spirit makes you want to do that which comes natural. Paul gives an illustration of that in verse 8 where he speaks about the rulers of this world with their worldly wisdom. He says that in their worldly wisdom they crucified the Lord of glory. Because of the wisdom of the world, they could not stomach him. They had to get rid of him. Why? Because the Lord Jesus, in his humility, gave glory to God. Everything he did and everything he said was to the glory of God and was not to his own glory. The Lord Jesus Christ did not bring attention to himself for his own sake. He did it all for God's sake. Compare that to the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world has revealed itself in opposition to God's spirit. Think about the lawlessness prior to the flood 
and the building of the Tower of Babel. Man wanted to be in the center. He wanted to boast about his great abilities. And so in order to create that illusion, he also became a deceiver. A worldly man is loud and boisterous and demanding. He is full of deceit. He is full of anger and resentment, even if that is only hidden and only on the surface. He comes across as someone who is kind and gentle, but inside he is full of deceit. You will also find that in the church because the spirit of the world is everywhere, also in our hearts. You will also always find people who want to be the center of attention. They want to receive glory for themselves. It happens in the church, doesn't it? We all have that innate desire within us. Ministers, for example, who by the nature of their office serve God in a very public way, they have to be very careful that they do not draw attention to themselves, that they make themselves the center of attention, that somehow they want to bring glory to themselves, that they do not come as seemingly pious statements that for which they do not have a basis in God's word. Thankfully, we have a government, a system of government in place in the church where there is equality of offices and where the elders are in charge of the conduct of the minister. Evangelical and charismatic churches do not have such a system in place. And then the ministers can often be out of control, making outrageous claims about what they can do through the Spirit, which really they can't. And that's why John says in his first letter in chapter 4, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's also a warning for us. But as Paul expresses in a most elegant way, believers have received the spirit that proceeds from God. He also speaks about that in his letter to the Galatians. In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, Because you are sons of God, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So it's the spirit of the Son of God that is given to you. It proceeds from him. God's spirit is not from this world. God's spirit is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came to do the Father's will. See how he conducted himself in a worship service, for example. First time in his own hometown. What did he do? He read prophecy. He came with the scriptures and he showed how that was being fulfilled in him. Oh sure, even though you have the spirit of the world, you are able to do many things. Worldly people are able to work with God's creation. They can create art and make things and they can think about things. Have the ability to do math, to write poems, 
fashion sculptures, to draw, to build houses, to landscape properties, etc. They have also the ability to understand how the mind works and how they are to psychologize and philosophize. But that is all they can do, and they are still very limited in those abilities. Without God's Spirit, however, any of those activities have no meaning. It is void of meaning. For why do they do these things? They do it for their own selfish ends, to bring glory to themselves. That is the spirit of the world. And therefore, this world is as dysfunctional as it is. However, when you have God's spirit, then you have something much greater. It is only with God's spirit that you are able to understand the architect behind it all. That is what Paul means in his letter to the Ephesians when he prays, as we read in chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. Here it comes to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. When God's spirit dwells within you, then you have a completely different perspective from a person of the world. And then everything has so much richer meaning. And then the scales from your eyes are removed. Then you see the greatness and the majesty of God. Someone who has the spirit of God has a divine perspective. His gaze is directed upwards towards God, and everything he does and says is motivated by that. And this shows in the simplest of things. When he receives food, for example, then he realizes it is from God. Without God, there would be no food. God is the one who gives the growth. I mean, he looks at nature, then he sees God behind it out, behind it all. Look outside. Look at the beautiful nature of God during the springtime, how things grow. It is God's Spirit that does that. That is the Holy Spirit. And therefore, as a Christian, you treat what God has made with respect. Not because you have respect for creation as such, but because you have respect for the Creator. And someone who is full of the Spirit of God knows that he is accountable to him. Everything he says and does is directed towards God. He knows that his ability to reason and to work with his hands is something that God has given to him. He also knows, therefore, not to depend on his own insight and his own reasoning ability, but to depend on God's insight. For he knows that his ability to reason is so very limited. He is not haughty. He is humble. He stands in awe of God. And so he looks to God to give him a proper perspective. Even if that means going against his own reasoning ability. God's spirit was given to us, it says in verse 12, that we may understand what God has freely given us. 
That is a very important statement. What has God freely given us? Well, you have to read that in the context in which Paul gives it. He speaks about some of those gifts in chapter 1, verse 30, which we read. They are the gifts we have received in Christ Jesus, namely our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. I know they're theological terms, but those are the most important gifts that he can give you. So righteousness, what does righteousness mean? Well, when God makes you righteous, that means that he has put you in a right relationship to his law. In other words, then he treats you as if you have never sinned. Even though you sin all the time. He makes you innocent. God now gives you his righteousness. That's his gift. The gift of righteousness is given to you, to those who believe. And who therefore also have God's spirit in them. And then sanctification has to do with holiness. You know what it means to be holy, don't you? It means to be pure. Someone who is holy has all the pollution and the dirt because of his sins removed. Made white as snow and redemption. Redemption, another theological term, but what a rich term that is. To be redeemed means that you have been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for your sins. Now you are no longer a slave to sin, but a servant of God. During his time on earth, the apostles never truly understood the Lord Jesus when he was teaching them. They didn't understand what his mission was all about. They didn't really understand why he came. But when Pentecost came, that all changed completely. Suddenly, the words of the Lord Jesus started to make wonderful sense to them. All of a sudden, they understood where their righteousness came from, how it came to them. They understood about their sanctification and their redemption. Their eyes were opened. God's great line began, light began to shine in their minds and in their hearts. God's spirit now took up residence in them. He now dwells in them. And that congregation is also the spirit that has been given to you and to me. For you have been taught these things, most of you anyway, ever since your youth. Those are precious words that have been stored up in your heart. And God's spirit is now in your mind, in your soul, in your heart. You have those riches bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit. With these gifts, you have something very beautiful. Something which the person of the world has no inkling of. They want to see glory elsewhere. They want to seek satisfaction elsewhere, but not in God. These are gifts that will never rot. They are of everlasting value. Isn't it wonderful to have the Spirit of God? Isn't it wonderful that you have learned about these wonderful gifts of God and that now you may have his Holy Spirit? Do you know what happens now that God's Holy Spirit is in you? Well, now God's Holy Spirit is also like a lamp inside of you. 
or you could say a fire inside of you. And that fire, that lamp searches out all your impurities so that they can be burned away. We just sang about that in Psalm 139. For God, the Holy Spirit, is especially concerned about the work of sanctification. And that sanctification, that burning of the Holy Spirit, the burning away of the impurities, is an ongoing process. And this process is necessary for as long as we are still part of this sinful world. The Holy Spirit searches you out. We come to the second point. Verse 10 says that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And with this statement, Paul reminds the reader of the omniscience of the Holy Spirit. That is to say, he reminds us that the Holy Spirit knows all. He knows everything. First of all, the Holy Spirit knows everything in relation to himself. Only the Spirit of God knows the deep things of God. Referring to the deep things of God, Paul refers to those things which are hidden from us. Indeed, there are many things about God which we do not know or understand. God is too great for that. Who can know his mind? He is the almighty God who created all things and who has existed forever. There was never a time that he was not. Can we grasp that concept? No, not really. And we do not know either exactly when God will bring this world to an end. He knows we don't know. Nor, we do, nor do we know exactly what God has in mind for us in our lives when we shall die. What will happen to us the next day or the next week or the next month. Those things are hidden from us. And these things are the deep things from God. We cannot know his mind. Only the Spirit of God can understand him. As it says in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The things revealed. How? Through the Spirit, through God's Word. God, however, does know you. His Spirit knows every little thing about each and every one of you. His Spirit knows your thoughts, every single one of them. He knows what you are thinking right now. He knows what you are thinking even before the words are on your tongue. That's what David says in Psalm 139, verse 4, Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You cannot escape God's Spirit. It's also clear from what David says further in this psalm. He says, in verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And now we are temples of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit dwells in us. God's spirit has captured your and my spirit so that we become one with him. But that doesn't mean that we now know exactly what God knows. No, that means that God's laws are now written in our hearts. That is what the new age of the Spirit is all about, brothers and sisters. And that is what Ezekiel said already in chapter 36. And the verse that was be 
behind me as you came into this church building. Ezekiel said, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you have been given God's laws since you were a little baby. Most of you have heard the words of God since you were a little child. You have heard it from your parents, from your teachers, from your elders, from your minister, from your peers, from all those who have the Spirit of God. And because of such an upbringing, now you know what is right and what is wrong in God's eyes. And God's Spirit within you will now also remind you of that. That Spirit searches you out. It says in Proverbs 20, verse 27, the lamp of the Lord searches the spirit of a man. It searches out his inmost being. For you see, God's spirit has been united with your own spirit to know what is right and wrong. You and God's spirit ultimately only know what's going on inside of you. And that is what Paul is referring to in verse 11, that no one... No person, no one knows a man's thought except the spirit of, man, of the man within him. Just like God only knows himself, so you can only know yourself. No other person knows you like you know yourself. God, of course, knows everything about you, but other people do not know about you. You know, because of your spirit within you, what lives within you. And when you are thinking wrong thoughts, only you know. You know yourself, what you are all about, what your aspirations are, what your likes and your dislikes are, etc. But now you also have God's spirit within you, which is united with your own spirit. And now when you think wrong things, you are reminded of what God's spirit tells you and he gives you a guilty conscience. God's Holy Spirit gives you that guilty spirit. For God's Spirit wants to burn out those impurity. He wants you to banish out evil thoughts. And that is the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit, his sanctifying work. In this way, the Holy Spirit wants to guard you from going down the wrong track. The Holy Spirit does not just search out your heart and purify you from the inside out. He also teaches you. And that teaching is also an ongoing process. As Christians, we must never stop learning. We come to the third point. Do you know what one of the greatest dangers is with regard to the work of the Holy Spirit within you? It is when you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit by taking over worldly wisdom. It is when the ideals of the world appeal to you and you follow your own heart. It is when you want to put yourself in the center at the expense of your relationship with God and others. As I said earlier, some people watch and listen a lot to Christian radio and television and indeed, there are a lot of good things being done and said. But there is also a lot of it that is very worldly, man-centered. 
false prophets making claims that they cannot and are not allowed to make. They know how to manipulate a crowd and how to manipulate people. They know how to bring glory on themselves. They also know how to enrich themselves, don't they? Through gullible people. Be careful what you listen to and what you watch. For there are two spirits, also there are two worlds. There is the real world of God and there is the make-believe world of man, which is full of deceitfulness. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God has given you his spirit and God has been teaching you. Do you know why? So that God's spirit may continue to dwell in you, be taught by his word. As it says in verse 10, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Actually, that little word, it, doesn't belong. It should state, God reveals to us by his spirit. God reveals, period. The emphasis is on revelation. And it is a constant activity. And but he reveals himself by his word and spirit. You have to distinguish between the spirit of the world and the spirit of God. Word and spirit always go together. Of course, God continually reveals himself also in nature. But you only know him through his word. You know that he is the one who created all things and who makes all things grow. Lord Jesus himself always went back to scripture. He did not come with the wisdom of the world, with the wisdom of the world. He came with God's word. Indeed, he was God's word. Paul says in the last verse of this text, this is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. In the originally, it says it more cryptically. And it says literally comparing spiritual things with spiritual. What Paul is saying here is a very important principle. Often what we want to do is to compare the wisdom of God with the wisdom of the world. And some commentators will also do that. They want to prove God's word, in other words, from man's discoveries and from man's interpretations. And they will use archaeology and all kinds of other ologies in order to prove that the Bible is true. They want to use man's thinking to the best and to, be, and to the truth of the scriptures. But that is not what we are allowed to do but we tend to do the same things ourselves. We will look for a solution to a problem and then come up with a solution in our own minds and then we go back to the scriptures to see whether or not that is the way we ought to go. First we take a certain position and then we go to the scriptures to back up our thinking. But that doesn't make sense. And that is not how you use God's word. For our own natural instincts, our own flesh is opposed to the things of God. First, think about God's word. Always let God's word speak. 
and think about what he wants from your life. And think about God, how he himself wants to be interpreted by comparing Scripture with Scripture. We do not need outside confirmation about the truth of the Scripture. The Bible is God-breathed. No human writing can compare to it. All other scriptures must stand the test of God's word. And we do not need confirmation from our minds and our own way of thinking whether or not we are going in the right direction. No, check God's word. Time and again, make sure you're on the right track. Brothers and sisters, Satan will do his utmost to wipe away the words of God which have been taught to you here in this church. And Satan will appeal to your natural instincts. That's what Satan tried to do to those people in Corinth. And that is why Paul wrote this letter to them. He warns them, do not listen to the wisdom of this world. Give glory to God. Let him speak. And let him speak through his word alone and his spirit. For only he can give you true understanding. Amen.